Miguel Show here on I am delighted to be talking today with Carlyn Pikes, and I've known about Carlyn. She's a, gosh, she's in the International Swimming Hall of Fame. She's she joined the great greats as Mark Spitz, Janet Evans, and Johnny Weissmiller, and she has, I think, several hundred records in the Masters World Records, and Carlin, I'll let you tell your story, but I'm just delighted to have you as a guest and um, just learning that you've recently written a book called The Do-Over, and you're an inspirational speaker, and as I get to know a little more about your new book, The Do-Over, I can see that you would be inspirational. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you'd like our listeners to know about this new book. We'll kind of do a little uh, brief conversation today and after I read your book I'm sure we'll get into a very extensive conversation. Well thank you and uh, aloha Emily I'm so excited to uh, be speaking with you it's um it's nice to be hearing your voice directly I've heard you for quite a while and you are a legend yourself so thank you. Well thank you thanks for that I took a swim class with you a number of years ago that was wonderful because I really want to get back into the water swam on a swim team as a kid and and the last couple of days I've been reading some of your blogs and I'll get to that later because there were a few things that I read today that were like wow that's she's really turns it into fun now, let's <laughs> talk about you and and I go back to kind of the beginning um you know how you got into swimming I think I just learned uh this Day in the last couple of days that actually your mother was a great inspiration to you. She's still swimming at 81 years old and and has some master records herself. So talk about how you got into swimming and give us a kind of a helicopter overview of of uh, your your life as it started as a kid and moved into the part that really is meaty. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I did learn. I learned to swim at a very early age. And uh, age of four, I had my first race when I was five. And there was just something about the water that uh, appealed to me. It also, um, I grew up in, or was born in Lompoc, California. And uh, the warm, indoor pool with the smell of chlorine, for some reason, just was very comforting to me. And so I immediately felt at home in the water. And I used that love of the water to um, just kind of fuel my swimming competitiveness. I also liked to see improvement. I liked to see and hear people cheer for me. And there were just so many things in the swimming world that appealed to me that uh, was kind of making up for some things that I was lacking at home. But that's another story. We'll get to that in in another time. But, um, yeah, my mom swam at an early age, and uh, all five kids in our family uh, learned how to swim and then joined the swim team. And then in, uh, when I was about age eight, we moved from Lompoc to San Diego and continued to swim. And by the time I was about 15, I was quite the uh, swimming uh, prodigy. I was under Olympic swimmer and gold medalist Mike Troy. He won two gold medals in the 1960 Olympics. And I was uh, kind of on my way to swimming greatness. And what happened then was I um, kind of derailed my swimming career and that portion of my life lasted for a good chunk of time until about age 31 when I returned to the water to heal and recover. And the rest, I guess, as you would say, is, is kind of history. Um, I 
uh, got back in the water at 31 in San Diego within four months of getting back in and training uh, kind of somewhat seriously. I set uh, my second world record, and I was immediately uh, starting to see lifetime best faster than I was when I was a swimming phenom at age 15 within about six or eight months. And the next thing you know, I'm going to USA Nationals and attempting to make the Olympic trials and and all along the way just reconnecting with my love of the water. And, yes, my mom is at Adrian, is a huge inspiration. She began as a master swimmer in the 70s. And one of the coolest things I thought about, you know, master swimming, which is really just another name for adult swim team, was that when I was like 10 or 11 years old and I was watching these old farts swim, and I wasn't that impressed with their swimming, but what I was impressed was, with was they got to earn medals, and even like when they were old. And I thought that was so cool, so I declared myself to be a master swimmer at a very early age, just because I wanted to earn some medals. Well, you know, uh, it's Carmen uh, Pipes we're speaking with, and she's uh, written a book that's uh, just come out. It's called The Do-Over. Of course, it's available on Amazon and also at her website, carlynpipes.com. And just to clarify, it's spelled K-A-R-L-Y-N-P-I-P-E-S, so Carlyn. And uh, a nice bio and a good explanation, but on the website there's a whole lot of history about Carolyn. But so let me just go back to some dates. So that would have been what, like the early 80s when you were kind of on a fast track to, to making the Olympic team. You were in high school. What year did you graduate? High I graduated from high school, from Cornell High School in 1980. So I was more around 78, 79, 80. And then, of course, there was the boycott of the Olympics. But um, by that time, I had. Um, discovered outside the pool and didn't really want to have a whole lot of things to do with inside of the pool. And uh, so I, by that, by the time I was about 18, I, I wasn't washed up, but I certainly was not, um, no, I was no longer uh, Olympic potential. Uh, so, because, yeah, so, but, but you did, if I understand correctly, because I've been, you know, reading about you and stuff, is that you had a full athletic scholarship for University of Arkansas? Yep, and actually at the at that time I was actually offered 15 full rides. I mean, I had really good times. I was a versatile swimmer, and I had 15 full scholarship offers, and I chose Arkansas. And that's kind of explained in the book why. And uh, it just wasn't a good fit, and I ended up really kind of um, just bombing there, becoming academically ineligible the first year. The coach gave me my scholarship back for another semester, and then I purposely – did not want to return to Arkansas again. And so my grade point average when I left Arkansas was point zero six for that semester. <laughs> well, let's, let's just uh, talk. You have a, there's a, a piece in your uh, bio and it says, Carmen, uh, return to Coronado where for the next 11 years, this is when you lost your, your scholarship, where she established the pattern of being hired and fired from lifeguarding, waitressing and bartending jobs and dropping out of college numerous times. And, in a lot of ways, your book is all about these do-overs. Yes. And 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 reconciling at the age of what what is your age now? Let's see. Fifty-three. Okay, at the age of fifty-three, reconciling and just really realizing and, and inspiring people that I get kind of teary just thinking about it because you know we've all had the ups and downs and it's it's not what happens to us; it's just how we handle what happens to us. Exactly. You know, 
taken you numerous times to handle it well and then lose that drive again and then right. handle it well and lose it again. You really seem seem to be on a on a real path right now. I mean, even at the age of 35, you know, you went back to you had a full athletic scholarship for California State University in Bakersfield, the last place in the world you wanted to be, right? So talk about that, because that seems like a real dynamic time in your life where you really got it together again after numerous times, probably more than numerous from what I've picked up so far. Yeah. And fill in some of that. And I do have to mention that, you know, at this this point in in Colin's life, she has over 200 FINA Masters World Records in all four strokes, the medley and in every distance offered. Wow. You've won the La Jolla Rough Water Swim, the Gator, Gator Man numerous times. I mean, there's so many events that we've all heard of that you've, that you've won. But kind of fill in those gaps and what happened at the age of 35 when you were in Bakersfield. Okay. Back up a little bit to the 11 years you're talking about when I was getting hired and fired and losing jobs. I call those the lost years. Um, so so what, what we want to kind of establish is at age 15, I'm a swimming phenom, and by 18, I want to out of the pool. What happened at that point in time? And what happened at that point in time was I had my first drink. And as soon as I had my first drink, my grit and my tenacity and my desire to win and achieve dissolved. I did not get that grit and determination back again until age 31, in which case I stopped drinking. And from that point on, the do-over began. And um, I realized that I was very blessed to have this second chance at life, that I hadn't killed myself or hurt anybody else in the process, and that I was given an opportunity to rewrite my story. And, and you and I were talking about this. Everyone has a story. It's, what, it's, it's not really what defines us, but it's what we can build a future on. We look to the past, we see these experiences, and we say, how can I learn from that? How can I grow from those experiences, however painful, however difficult, however sucky they were? They're all opportunities to move to a different place, to a higher understanding, a greater awareness, more compassion for others, empathy. Um, and that's what that created was I was so far down the scale that um, anywhere that I you know, could go was up. So I have a story in the, the do-over called the squish bug in the gutter, and, and that's what I was. I was completely down and out, a squish bug in the gutter, but I had one eye that could look up and see a curb. And then that one eye could see that there was, you know, I don't know what was on the other side of that curb, but I knew it was something better than what my current view was. And if I could just muster the courage and willpower and hope to get up there, then there was a better future. And and it took a lot to do that, but once I did, I realized, okay, now this curve is pretty good, but I'm moving over here now, and I gained my strength slowly but surely in, in the water, which was the source of so much pleasure and pain in my life, was where I returned. And uh, from that, a wellspring of opportunities presented itself, but I had to do the work to do it. And um, hence, I ended up going back to community college, swam two years there, and then was offered a full athletic scholarship to Cal State Bakersfield. And no, Bakersfield is not exactly a garden spot, especially compared to San Diego, but um, it was the perfect fit for me. It was a Division II school, 
And I had a wonderful coach, Pat Keehan. She was patient and was prepared to work with an older athlete. And I also had the support of a wonderful husband named Eric Nielsen. Well, I think that's a, a really wonderful thing that, that, that I see mentioned in your bio and stuff. Uh, when I took a swimming class from you, you and Eric were together, and, and you're not now but amicably, you know, very good friends, and you really acknowledge uh, what, a, what a wonderful support he was for you. And, you know, when you were at Bakersfield, let's see what I see here, you won three NCAA Division II individual titles, became the oldest person to set and hold an NCAA record. I mean, at 35, you're much older than your, your teammates. And I imagine <laughs> because you had been too much, you you, be, you know, brought a lot to them as, as well. But talk a little bit about those people that have been there for you, you know, like, like Eric and others and, and how much that, that means. Oh, the, the um, so I was just inducted into the International Swimming Hall of Fame in June. And um, what's an interesting story about that was, I was inducted into the Master Swimming Hall of Fame in 2007, and that was an honor itself. But I thought I was being inducted into the real Hall of Fame a year later, and it turns out that I was uh, I misunderstood something. I'm so grateful that I was inducted in 2015 because between 2007, where I felt like I deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, by 2015, the summer, I acknowledge and appreciate the nod to be in the Hall of Fame. And during the ceremony, I took the opportunity to bring the influential people in my life. Uh, Eric was not able to attend, but his my ex-mother-in-law came. And um, Coach Patty from Palomar College came. Coach Pat from Bakersfield came. John Baker, my very first angel in my life that didn't fire me when I sobered up, um, was there in attendance. Coach Harry here from uh, Kona Dolphins, who I've been swimming with for the past 10 years, was there. So I did not accept the recognition. I gave it to the people that supported me and helped me to lift me up to where I was. So it was certainly a team effort. And, of course, my mom was there and family. And, uh, you know, Eric was just such an amazing part of my journey. Uh, I met Eric when I was 31, and I was so broken and and just not not the person that you would know today. And he just scooped me up and loved me for who I was. And uh, we created this partnership, uh, him coaching me and me swimming, and, and, and it worked well for a number of years. And for that, I'm forever grateful. Because well, this is... Yeah, it's not something you ever do alone. There's a lot of people behind the scenes, and I always called Eric the wind beneath my wings. And now it That's seems nice. that I, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, kind of Lynn Pice for talking about the name of her book, The Do-Over. And, of course, you know, so, you know, lots of places you can get it, Amazon, and, and also at, at her website, uh, KyleLynnPice.com. You can read much more in the poopas of her life story. But you mentioned uh, – uh, what was the junior college, Palomar uh, Community College that you went to before you went to um, California State University, but you were inducted into the Hall of Fame there also, right? <laughs> so, <I> know. <laughs> you know, it's so, Emily, it's so neat because these things, as you as you age, they they really mean a lot more to you than when you're just some bratty teenager that's got a lot of talent and don't really have that great of a work ethic, but things kind of come easy for you. I think I appreciate it so much more, and as I said, I appreciate the people that have helped me along the way that have given me those second chances and believed in me before I believed in myself. 
And that's what Eric was so good about doing as a coach. And he coached a lot of people in Kona for Ironman and racing and still does. He has a, a business called Train Smart, Race Fast. And he believes in you before you believe in yourself. And that is the cornerstone of an outstanding coach. Um, and, and he's done that with hundreds of athletes, whether they're in the pool, on the track, or on a bike. He sits there and goes, I think you can do this today. Let me, let me show you what you can do. And you're like, I don't know. And Eric's like, I, yep, you can do this. And next thing you know, you're doing exactly what he thought you could do. And, and then you go, wow, I can do this. And so he instills that kind of faith in, in his clients and his friends with that ability to just step outside their comfort zone and believe that anything is possible. I mean, I mean, Emily, if you told me that, you know, 22 years ago that, that I would have a book out, that I'd be in the Hall of Fame, that I would be in a position where I can influence and hopefully inspire others for their do-over, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. You know, I would have shot way lower than that. <laughs> well, so, you know, another one, like you you transitioned to uh, Harry Canals. Is that how he says his last name, Canals? Yep, Harry Canals, yep. And, and he's up at HPA as the coach now. I knew Harry many years ago. We took some Tai Chi classes together, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching him over the years, what he has done with the Kona Golf and the youth swim team. But, you know, to to, to – transition as an adult into taking all that you went through, you know, but you, you knew you had the skills, which is one thing, but it's, it's having the drive and the desire and not so much to accomplish as it is just to be living a decent life, you know, one that doesn't make your family and friends worried about you and, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. all the words mm-hmm. in the world, but one where they really can sense that you have some peace of mind and you feel good about yourself and and it, it seems like I'm really looking forward to, to reading your book. I, um, you know, I, I love these kind of stories because we've all had our ups and downs and, 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 you know, just end up becoming better people that can mentor others as a result of that, you know, that nothing's forever, right? Everything's been permanent. And yeah. So, and as is our condition of our lives. It, exactly. And, and here's the one thing that, uh, that I would really – like to impart to you know just people in general is we see we see others and we make assumptions that everything in their life looks like it's perfect or great or good or whatever and you really never know what's going on beneath the surface i mean my story on on the surface looks like one thing entirely different than what the do-over talks about and and once you start realizing that you know underneath the surface there was turbulence and discomfort and pain but that's okay because as when you start dealing with that and you become okay with it, then the waters calm down. The waters of life calm down. It's your thoughts that can make life turbulent. But I think that we need to be kinder to each other and not assume and pass judgment because you really have never walked in those, that person's shoes. And that if we act more offer more kindness to people and give people the benefit of the doubt and kind of wonder, well, what's been going on in their day and have compassion. But I think that as a society, we would be so much better off because we would we would really genuinely care rather than assuming something that we have no idea what's going on. Well, often so, we don't get to that place unless you've been to it yourself. You know, one has been through some tough times themselves. And and it's true because uh, when I uh, met you and as I followed you, uh, you know, because you've been giving swim clinics all over the world and, you know, uh, have had a nice reputation here with your 
your uh, company, what's the name of your aquatic? Aquatic, aquatic Edge. Mm-hmm. Aquatic Edge. And, uh, you know, it always looked like, wow, that's great. She's somebody that moved here, you know, what, 10 years ago or something? And yep. I'm not sure what brought you to Hawaii, but, okay, here's one more person that came to Hawaii because it's kind of the mecca of, you know, multi-sports and everything, and, and it looked good. And, and uh, I've always found that I like people better when I hear about their hardships because it just, I don't know, somehow I feel I have something in common with them. <laughs> but so Carolyn Pipes were talking about, she's written a book called The Do-Over, and I'd love to hear you talk and tell us a little bit about your process of deciding to write a book and what was your process of how you worked your way through writing it down, how long did it take, a little bit in that regard. Yeah, well, it's it certainly it was a it was a little bit over a two year process. Over the years, the people that knew my story told me you need to write your book. And I write, I write for Something World Magazine. I've written for West Hawaii Today, but I'm a reluctant writer. I'm very very fastidious with words, and it get, I get bogged down. Um, anyway, I had a uh, a relationship that ended up very poorly, and and on top of that, a broken wrist from falling off my bike in Italy. The good part, I was in Italy. The bad part was I fell off my bike. <laughs> but that um, kind of propelled me. I, I actually, between the breakup and, and the broken wrist, it left me pretty shattered. And as you know, a lot of times people do not move to change until there's a fair amount of pain involved. And that's where I was. I was I was stuck. And I realized that I needed to do something to move me forward, and that meant dealing with issues from the past that had not been resolved yet. So I sought some therapy from a local um, lady here named Carrie Callahan, who does a process called EMDR. And what it is is it's used for post-traumatic stress and other issues in which you've been having a difficulty moving past these memories of and experiences. And so between the, that process and letting go of things from the past and and moving in a different direction, I realized it was probably time for me to tell my story. But that itself was scary because, you know, you just said that when you find out that people have had hardship, it makes you like them more. You basically you are opening yourself up to being vulnerable. And a book of your life story is the ultimate and basically flailing yourself for the entire world to see. So it's a bit scary to put yourself out there. But the, the flip side of that is, is I think that it's going to resonate on a lot of different levels with many different people from many different walks of life, and it will help people to kind of maybe go through that same transition. I have a, a, a phrase called bugs under the rug in the book, and life is like, okay, so you have a rug, and you haven't touched it in years, and underneath, you lift it up, and you go, oh, my gosh, there's dirt and mold and bugs and things, and, and what most people do is they just put the rug back down and keep walking over it. But now they know that there's these issues, these bugs under the rug that you're not dealing with. Do you have the guts to to take a look at what's under there and scoot them out and clean it up? And that's basically what I've done. But to your process, I worked with an author named Tito Morales, who's a swimmer from Los Angeles. And we basically did an interview process in which he interviewed me for uh, probably 20 hours. He transcribed it. He created a book. And once he created the book, I decided to write on top of his writing. And I completely messed it up, completely messed it up. Uh, A couple of editors later and quite a bit more input from me, no more from Tito. Um, The book is finally at its date where it's up now. So it was like having uh, a two-year pregnancy. 
so um, so now I've just given birth. And that book is called The Do-Over, available at Amazon, and I really want to direct our listeners to carlynpipes.com, uh, K-A-R-L-Y-N, pipes, P-I-P-E-S.com. There's a lot of nice story there. And, and just Googling you and, and reading the stories and that. But but when you decided you needed to, was it so much tell your story and sort of admit it to yourself and write it down? Did you have it, the intention of writing a book or more like a catharsis of journaling and, 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 and you know, hearing yourself say it by writing it down? Or did, was the intent to to do a book or like maybe this could be a book, what, what, what were you at in that stage? Because I think that's a, an important part for people that are thinking about, you know, a lot of people think I want to write a book. I always tell everybody writing a book is the easiest part. It's the promoting a book that's difficult. <laughs> and but, that's why we're here right now. Um, I, I always knew it was a compelling story. How it would actually come out, I had no idea. And when I first wrote, I wrote my first chapter, and then I realized if I write my own book, this will never be published because I'm going to take too long doing it. And I had to set my ego aside and get assistance. And so uh, the book is said it's Carlin Pipes with Tito Morales. So, you know, we work together as a team to, to create this wonderful story. And it, it's, um, I don't think I fully understood what would really go into the, the soul searching that goes into when you actually put your life on paper and and put it down. I mean, I had so many aha moments uh, that I would have never known. And then just the experience of of contract negotiations, which kind of got a little sticky for a while, and and delays that that held it up. And I really had to just learn to let go. And it's so hard for somebody with a very competitive um, nature to have to turn things over let go and let God, and let life unfold the way it's supposed to rather than what my plan is. And I think that that probably out of everything has been the, the biggest lesson is, is that it, the book takes on a life of its own, and you, you're not the one in the driver's seat. It has its own power. And it, it will it arises when it, 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 it's born when it's ready to be born. So, you you know, Tito, you interviewed you and then you would work on it. Was this something that you would do every day or you would allow yourself the luxury of waiting until you were in the mood or what What was it? Were you as disciplined and as perfectionistic and, and bad as you had been in that 11 years when you couldn't hold the job? You probably were, you know, what, what was your process? Did you see yourself, you know, even in that regard, putting the, the same kind of pressure on yourself? Well, the first thing, after Tito interviewed me and transcribed it, he created an entire story. It was ready to go. It was sent to the editor. And I took, I looked at it kind of halfway, and I thought, wow, this book writing stuff is so easy, because I really didn't write a word. I just told my story. And then I started really reading it. And, and, it, and Tito's a brilliant writer, and he's no swimming, and he, and he did it. It was perfect. It was a beautiful book. But it wasn't all my story. It wasn't like he made anything up. It just didn't have the things that only I would know. And that's when I started contributing myself to the writing. And that process started in about March and continued on until just about two months ago. I mean, I would sit down for sometimes eight, ten hours a day and and add to what Tito had already written. And then I realized that I didn't really understand how the flow of books was supposed to go. And so, as I said, I, I really kind of jumbled it all up 
and it needed a fair amount of fixing. So I ended up working with three different editors to pull it back in and to create the, the story that we have today. So, so I would say Tito created the base of the story, and I added color and more content to it. But his, the flow is all his uh, doing. And yeah, it's a brilliant. It, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But now I know that you know that you, if you are going to create something that is going to represent you, you have to be involved 110 percent. And in the beginning, I was involved like 30 percent, and at the end, it was all me and then some. And Tito was out of the picture, and uh, he said, "Do what you want with it." And uh, and so so it it's, it really has been a combination of both of us. I'm glad you you shared that passion. But usually we learn from what didn't go well more than we learn from what goes well, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's how we get experience and 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 you know polish not polish but just a, a more compassionate with ourselves and better at what we're doing. What part did your mother play through all of this? Your, your mother, uh, Adrian, who at 81 is a master swimmer. We're talking with Carlyn Pipes, and we're talking about her from early age being, you know, just world-class swimmer, and she's got over 200 master's records now, but at the age of 15, she was on a fast track, so maybe making Olympic teams, had scholarships, in and out of colleges, losing jobs for 11 years, and finally started getting it together and we we went through that, that timeline but all through this where was your, your mother and all that? I mean because a parent it's just heartbreaking for a parent, you know, when we when we don't live up to what they thought we should be doing during a certain time of our life. It it's very true, you know, um potential and talent is a blessing and a curse. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, my mom, she had five children under the age of seven at one time and she was married. My debt father is an alcoholic. And so she was in survival mode for much of that time, and our basic needs were met, but there was not a whole lot of affection and love and support that we wanted um, as small children. And so I think what, like, my older sister and I did is, you know, we found um, that support and acceptance in, in winning in, in the pool. And so as um, as I progressed through my teen years, my mom was there, but then we had a very contentious relationship. She wanted me to keep swimming, realize my potential. I really wanted to kind of be out of the pool and doing normal things that a teenager would do. I mean, I used to get up at 4.20 in the morning to drive a half an hour to go jump into a freezing cold pool, swim for an hour, drive a half an hour back, go to school, and then repeat the process in the afternoon. It, it's a very demanding sport. And did you like it at that time? Were you, or did you like the accolades and the attention? Or did you actually like the swimming? Or was it everything else that came with it? I liked the swimming, but I didn't get like getting in a cold pool. And right. believe it or not, that really is a huge um thing against my swimming is that once I got in the water and started training, I was good to go. But getting me to practice when I was, you know, in my late teens was the hardest part because I could find a million reasons why I didn't want to be in the pool. And I didn't have an Olympic dream. My mom did. Um, and, and that's great. She could see the potential. The coach could see the potential. I wasn't really that interested. I was interested in pursuing activities outside the pool. So um, so we had a contentious relationship for many years. And then we repaired it um, after age 31. And actually, I have owned um, my house with my mom and has lived with her since 1999. 
And it seems like we have a, a very close relationship and are very proud of, of, of her enjoying her swimming, which she's still doing, and the fact that she's enjoying the fact that you are enjoying your life. So what a what a nice place that you're at together. Carlyn Pipes, the author of The Do-Over, a book that she's uh, just recently come out with available at Amazon. Is it available on your website as well? It is, and different. I will I will have direct sales available very shortly that I can autograph and send copies to. Yeah, so, you know, people can uh, just throughout over the next few months, not only she be around the country doing book signings, but here in Kona as well. And, and uh, I just, uh, it's nice to get a chance. I'm going to read the book, and then I want to get into it some more because I, I like these kind of stories, you know. I think uh, they're, they aren't as uh, atypical as people think. I know, I know. It's it's it's, it's amazing when you um you know you look at some elite athletes and they seem you know Bree Wee's a great example our pro professional triathlete Bree Wee, you know on the surface you see this bubbly triathlete that's out there doing it she struggles a lot and she shares everything with the world and and endears us to her because we realize she's just not some performer that is just one dimensional that she is multi-dimensional and and she is struggling to find herself in her sport and i think that whether it's sport or um your work or your children or something we all need to find a passion uh because you're right because Bree has a nice balance to it because there's a there's a point where people are like, all right, we've heard that before. You know, we all have our struggles, but it's finding that balance that we're being honest and open with people, right? And at the, and at the same time, not not uh, you know carrying putting all of our stuff on other people. And, yeah, well, the pity pot. She does do a nice job with that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. You don't want to be sitting, you know, there with an Ironman World Championship, you know, title under your or an Ironman. A title under your belt and being on a pity pot at the same time, it doesn't work. What you do is, is you, you know, both Bree and I, we look inward. We don't point fingers. We look inward to find where is it that we can improve as a person, as a soul, um, and hopefully that inspires others to do the same thing. Is look beneath the surface, dig a little deeper. Be a, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable at what you see because. Everybody has good and bad. Everybody has light and dark in them. And when we forget or ignore that side of us, it can often take over and uh, and 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 drown us. So and con- conversely, when you get on that path of taking a look at yourself, that can be as much and some more joy than it is that you're accomplishing, because you feel uh-huh. the growth every day. And and that's you know I, I've been through my ups and downs, and I'm every day working on that for years and uh you know it's it's fun to be in that place and be around people who are also in that arena of really wanting to grow and and some people go a lifetime and never 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 have that aha moment where oh my gosh i can work on this myself yes (laughs) work on myself so it's fun i'm really looking forward to reading the book thank um, you and, and i I, I just wish you all the success in the world because it is very difficult to get out there and, and you know, to promote a book. And, and uh, you know, it's not just the getting in front of people and talking, which obviously isn't difficult for you, but it's just the, the logistics, the arranging, the doing, the 
the press releases, the promotion, the marketing, it, it takes a lot. I, I've done it for a couple of people who have written books, and, and I've watched enough. I know enough about marketing that that's the journey that's going to be fun to watch you on. And I, I get the feeling that while you would really like to sell a lot of books, what, more than anything, you want to get your message across, whether it's when you're talking or if people pick up that book or whatever it is, that, you know, it's always – you can always do over every day, right. every hour. <laughs> it's yeah. do over time. It doesn't matter how far down you've gone. There, it's not a dead end. It's a do over, and yeah. it doesn't. And it can be in a conversation. It can be in a relationship. It could be in your next swimming stroke. I didn't like how that felt. Let me do that over. Um, big and little, you know, um, yourself or others included. It's like the do over is this wonderful metaphor that things can start out fresh and new. It doesn't mean that we forget, you know, what we've done in the past. It's just this, like, let's start over and, and chart a different direction. And it's extremely liberating, and it's really inspiring when I'm, I'm already getting feedback from people that have the book and how it's impacted them, that they become inspired to also take that looking glass and say, hey, what, what do I have that's holding me back from being the best version of myself? And it can be small stuff, and it can be it can be really big stuff. But regardless, it it's stuff. And if you move past it, you you have the hope for a, a lighter future. Um, and just letting go, you know. And, so and I'm how gonna, did you I'm come gonna, up with the name of the book? Was it an editor, or is that some expression that you've learned to use? That, because you don't that hear that. It was people on the golf course, and you hear it. When you're playing basketball with someone, playing horse with them or something, but where did, where did the title come from? It was mine. It, it was all mine. Actually, people tried to talk me out of it because there's a lot of books out there called The Do-Over, uh, which I found out later. But I, I realized at age 31, when I started going back to school and, um, and community college classes and stuff, that, wow, first of all, I'm swimming again, so I got my, my body back. I, I, was, I was healthy. I was near dead, and, and now I'm healthy and physically, you know, doing really well. I went back to school. I start getting really good grades in school, and I realized, wow, I, I got my brain back, too. So that was regenerated. And I started really looking at, as I was going back to college and able to this time appreciate the gift of it, that it was a doable that how many people are saying at the age of 35 you're going to go you're going to be given a do-over to go back to college and do it right i mean so it was like this is a do-over and uh, and then it's and it's amazing because um from my degree in communications public relations at bakersfield i actually um went to work for girl scout a girl scout council in san diego and my job was promoting programs for girls and leaders so uh, my my swimming parlayed into a college degree which in turn allowed me to work with Girl Scouts to empower girls and leaders and I thought what a cool do-over that was I mean it all went one to the next to the next so the circle continues and and then I'm inspiring these girls and leaders we had 30,000 in our membership and I was the sports lady and we did surfing and rock climbing and triathlon anything that was out of the ordinary and not Girl Scout like we did it, and I thought this is really cool, and this all became because of my swimming. So, um, well, so the, 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 the the book is a great cover. You know, great big words, the do and then over, but do over, and then you, you know, your profile from the back and in the water. But my journey journey from the depths of addiction to world champion swimmer Carolyn Pipes with Tito Morales. 
And uh, I just want to read a, a paragraph or so here in the, the Amazon uh, bio. From the first time she stepped onto the starting box, Carlin Pike seemed destined for Olympic medals, Wheaties, boxes, and greatness. Skip a sentence or two there. But unable to keep up with the expectations, she turned her back on the sport and replaced the liquid of the pool with that of the bottle. She eventually found herself in a destructive freefall that not only derailed her swimming career, but very nearly took her life. At 31, in the darkest hours of her disease, she found the courage, strength, and resilience to turn her life around. So it's been some 20 years since then that you've been working on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this just really a, a, a nice story. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Uh, an inspiring book about recovery, hope, and second chances. Candid, compelling, and insightful. This is a beneath-the-surface look at a remarkable odds to find comeback, not just in the pool, but in life. At times heartbreaking, but ultimately heartwarming, Carlin's story will inspire you to rise above your own challenges and realize your greatest potential. Anything you'd like to uh, say to our listeners right now? We'll, we'll catch up with you again in a month or so when I finish, when I get the book and read it. But <laughs> what, what would you like to, anything that we didn't touch on today? Well, I would I would just have to say that, you know, so much of this evolution of, of me as a person, as a swimmer, um, has come from my move to Hawaii, which was uh, from San Diego, you know, about 10 years ago. And the community that uh, I am blessed to call home, Kona, is such an amazing place that I don't know, I don't know if I would be the same person today um, if I had not moved here, the island speaks the truth. The island, um, you know, says, look at deep inside. Who are you? What are you made of? And, and what no longer serves you? And I think that, that uh, this community has really fostered so much of who I am today. And for that, I'm just extremely grateful for the, not just the athletic community, but just the, you know, Kona community in general. That, that every time I, I travel the world, but there's no place like home, no place like home. A lot of that has to do with the fact that you were ready to access all that there is to avail ourselves in the community, you know, and and I think that has a whole lot to do with it as well. It absolutely is, and you're a huge part of that community. So thank you, Emily, for being there for all of us. Well, it's a pleasure, and uh, it's always, you know, we all, it's always a lot more hard work than it looks to people, whatever we're doing, and <laughs> and, and there's a whole lot of people that, that work so hard at, at doing good things in this community. I'm just always uh, amazed at what it takes while they're raising families and everything. I always say to myself, wow, what if I was trying to do what I'm trying to do and raise a family, too, but, you know, so accolades to all kinds of people out there doing great things and uh, your contributions to the community too as far as training people and inspiring them. I do just want to mention that one of the uh, stories that I found on Carlin, a a story she had written, and it had to do with swimming with fins. Uh, I swam on a (laughs) swim team as a kid and I, you know, did the Ironman a couple times and stuff, but I just never really, the swimming you know, I did it as a kid on a swim team and stuff, and I don't know why. I don't think I even really liked it then, but I did it. And uh, But I love how you said, put those fins in. It's fun. <laughs> Admit it. Swimming with fins is just plain fun. And then you say, get to the pool. Even You know, it, activate your kick. It's fun to go fast, what you do in fins. It will inspire you. It will give you ankle flexibility. I mean, I'm inspired to get in the water. I'm going to... 
I, I've got fins, and I always have kept them off when I do get in the water. And now I'm going to, like, I've got no fins back on. Yo, but there's all kinds one. of things that you say. But the biggest one is you said, it's fun. Admit it. Swimming with fins is just plain fun. <laughs> it it is, you know, it is so much fun. I spent a lot of today at Magic Sands, and, and uh, I put on my fins. And people go, you don't need fins. You're fast enough. And I'm like, but I love swimming with my fins. I make me feel like a dolphin. And uh, they're not just any fins. They're those elf fins that uh, Bike Works carries by Aquafir. They're those foamy blue fins. They call them the Smurf fins that everybody wears down at the pier. And uh, they last forever. My pair is like 11 years old. Well, you oh. talk about it has a lots of reasons for it. It gets you in a good body position and it helps yeah. with all kinds of things. So, but it's so fun. It's, it's nice that you see the fun in it and you're out there wanting to share it. The name of the book is is The Do-Over by Carolyn Pipes. And, uh, again, you know, I think the the title of it just kind of says it right there on the front of the book. Let me pull up the Amazon thing here again. It, what was it? Addiction to, oh, my journey from the depths of addiction to world champion swimmer. So, Carlin Pipes, uh, thank you so much. It's uh, been a pleasure talking with you, and I'll see you Thanks. around town. All right. Thank you, Emily, and Thanks. aloha. All righty. It's the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPN, Hawaii.com. You can also pick up these um, shows at uh, iTunes. There's a free podcast and on Facebook, Emily T. Gale, and and uh, lots of lots of people uh, put it up on their Facebook page, Bike Works, which has been a long time sponsor of the Emily T. Gale Show, and and uh, long time friends, Janet yes. and Grant have been long time friends of mine as well. Okay, Carolyn, thank you so uh, much. Aloha, see you in the water. Okay.